Hello, everyone. Chaplain Philip with you again. Are you a happy person? To be more specific, are you a happy follower of Jesus? Your answers define your theology and how you live your life. As you're probably well aware by now, I'm a native of northern New England, born and raised in Maine. Mainers, especially, pride themselves on their rugged individualism, self-sufficiency, hard work, and a stoic ability to survive in a cold, harsh environment. As a result, Mainers have quite a reputation for being somber, serious, and no-nonsense. There's a streak of humorlessness in many New Englanders, and that goes double for us Mainers. That's my heritage. But if you get to know me, you'll quickly realize that somber, no-nonsense, and humorless doesn't really describe me very well. I can find all of that if I reach way down deep in my roots, but seriously, pun intended, that ain't me. I'm a hopeless romantic who loves to laugh and see the humorous side of things. I love telling jokes and funny stories, and when I'm not burdened down and stressed out with the vicissitudes of life, I love being happy and even joyous. While in college, I had many opportunities to take Sabbath speaking appointments all through New England. I sharpened my preaching skills and gained experience as a pastoral hopeful. It was during one of these speaking appointments that I came face to face with the serious, somber mindset of New Englanders. It helped me to realize that my personality and preaching style is very, very different. When I preach, I like having a conversation with the audience. I'm enthusiastic, happy, and interactive. Well, at one particular church, I preached a message about God's love and how far he will go to save us. I did my best to wax eloquent in painting a picture of the wonderful gospel that should thrill each and every heart. Brothers and sisters, I gave it everything I had with all the energy and enthusiasm that a young theology student could muster. And I got back nothing. The church was as quiet as a tomb. One faint amen in the very back. That was it. Several of the saints turned around to spot who might have been guilty of speaking out in church. They all looked so serious, not a smile among them. The head deacon sat in the front row, maintaining eye contact with me all during the service. He never cracked a smile or changed his expression. At the conclusion of the service, I felt like a failure. I hadn't made a dent. I'd made no impression whatsoever. At least that's what I thought. Following the closing hymn and prayer, I stood at the door to greet the members as they filed out. I was depressed and discouraged. I just wanted to go home. As the head deacon approached, I steeled myself for his remarks. But he surprised me. He stuck out his hand and shook mine with vigor. Pastor, he said, that was a wonderful message. You brought me to tears. You're welcome back anytime to preach to us about the love of God. You could have knocked me over with a feather. I didn't see any tears. What was in his heart? That had not been telegraphed to his face or to his body language. Well, let's go back to my introductory question. Are you a happy follower of Jesus? Does your Christian walk, does your theology translate into expressions of happiness and joy? 
Or are you like our New Englander friends, somber, serious, quiet, and severe? Everything about the children of Israel's worship was grounded in joy, in praise, and in thanksgiving. They were redeemed out of Egypt, freed from slavery and a life of misery. Every part of their economy as a nation was built around happy joy and praise. Following the specialness of the weekly Sabbath, they had seven annual feasts. Their feasts were get-togethers to worship God, to congregate together socially, to eat, drink, sing, praise, dance, and express how wonderful it was to be God's special children. The feasts marked the events of the year, springtime, planting, harvest, and the end of the year. They brought the children of Israel they brought the children of Israel's attention back to God again and again, reminding them of their creator, their redeemer, their sustainer. It began with a Passover, an eight-day holiday f celebration, a reenactment of their release from Egypt. Then came the Feast of Unleavened Bread, the Feast of First Fruits, the Feast of Weeks, the Feast of Trumpets, the Day of Atonement, and then the final feast, the Feast of Booths, where they reenacted their wilderness wandering. These festivals are spelled out in Leviticus 23. Don't get distracted by the Old Testament wordage. Take special note of God's directive for them to sing, dance, praise, feast, and celebrate. King David led the children of Israel in dance and song as well. His psalms are actually songs to be sung, to be put to music. He danced mightily before the ark and before God. Songs and praise, joy and happiness were always to be a part of the Hebrews' lives. Their theology, their worship, their relationship with their personal God who attended to every detail and met all of their needs. In the life and ministry of Jesus, we also find reasons for happy. When there was a wedding, Jesus was a part of it. His enemies, the scribes and Pharisees, they tried to badmouth him because, horror of horrors, he ate with sinners. They called him a wine-bibber. He loved to go to parties to be with people. It seems to me that Jesus knew how to laugh, how to celebrate, and how to be in the midst of us human beings whom he loves, present tense, so much that he died for us. Everything he did while on the earth was to show us his love, to bring us joy, and to help each one of us burst into praise. I'm well aware that we live in terribly distressing times. There's so much bad, so much fear, so much uncertainty. This COVID-19 pandemic is no joke and we need to take it seriously. It's affected every aspect of our lives. But don't forget that above it all sits our God who has worked out everything for us and who will take us through this terrible storm. I praise him because he sees us as his beloved children and he's there to walk with us through everything that might harm, terrify, or discourage. Remember his promise in Jeremiah 29 verse 11? For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Now, many of those plans may not be here on this earth. 
as our world winds down into chaos, but we have a new home to experience with God as our Father and Sustainer. So, as Bobby McFerrin's delightful little song admonishes us, don't worry, be happy, if anyone should be happy, shouldn't the saved, loved, cherished children of God be happy? We of all people, even in the midst of this mess, we can still be happy. I challenge you to get up and dance. Be like David. Dance for joy. Don't worry. Be happy. Until next time, I'm Chaplain Philip, and as always, may God bless you today.